Hi, I'm Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today I want to talk about grace-filled communication, how to glorify and honor God with the words that we speak and how we communicate. Before we get into that, I wanted to remind you that we still have some training programs available in 2021 at Ellerslie here in Colorado. So if you are looking for a set-apart season to come away with Jesus, become grounded in truth, and just have your spiritual fire ignited, Pray about joining us for our week-long program at the end of August or our five-week program in in the fall that starts in September. They're filling up really fast, so be sure to go to ellerslie.com or even setapartgirl.com, and you'll be able to find links to our training programs. We would love to have you join us here in Colorado this year and invest into your spiritual life. So let's look at grace-filled communication. Colossians 4.6 tells us to let our speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that we may know how we ought to answer each person. The Bible has so much to say about gracious, God-honoring speech, and yet I feel like it's one of the most easy things to overlook in our Christian walk. In Proverbs 18.21, we're told that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those are very strong words. It's something that God wants us to take extremely seriously. And yet in our culture, we're very flippant with our words. James 3.2 says, If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. And then Jesus says in Matthew 12.36, that every idle word we speak, we will give account of it in the day of judgment. So the Bible does have a lot to say in some pretty strong language about the importance of the words that we speak. I feel like in our modern American culture, we often overlook the importance of the words that we communicate. And really, this would apply to spoken words and written words or digital words, words that we post online. The truth is that the words we speak, the words we post, the words we communicate have an eternal impact either for good or for evil, both in our own lives and in those who hear our words. The first time I really understood this was when I was in third grade. And I've told this story before in various podcasts on gossip, but this was really such a lesson for me because when I was in third grade, a lot of girls were gossiping and criticizing one of the girls in my class. And I mentioned it to my mom one day, and she really gave me a strong, fiery lecture about the dangers of gossip and told me that I needed to speak words of grace and life uh, to this girl and about this girl. And she said, this is what God is wanting you to do. You need to boldly speak the opposite of this critical attitude that everybody is taking towards her. And so I started to do that. It was a little nerve-wracking for me because it was a new school and I didn't know people that well. But every time I, I started to hear people criticize this girl, I would say something nice about her. And soon the attitude towards this girl began to change. And by the end of that school year, she had friends and people were no longer gossiping about her and criticizing her. It was a simple thing, but something that I did in response to my mom's lecture. And yet it had such an incredible and lasting impact. When I was in high school and lived in a totally different state, had completely lost contact with that girl from third grade, I got a letter. She had tracked me down and she told me that the words of life, the words of love, that I spoke to her and about her in third grade completely changed her life. And I was absolutely stunned. I had no idea that just that choice to choose speaking life versus speaking words of death could make that big of a difference, but it is in stride with what the Bible says. And so ever since third grade, I've been reminded from time to time of that story, of that experience. Anytime I'm tempted to slide into gossip or criticism or negativity with my words, that story is such an important reminder for me of the power of speaking words of life. 
So I'd like to share with you a few different principles that I've walked through in studying the word of God of of how to have grace-filled communication. How do we have speech that is always with grace and seasoned with salt? Well, it's enabled by the grace of God, the enabling power of God, because in our in ourselves, in our flesh, we tend to be very idle with our words. We tend to be very critical towards others with our words. We tend to be very negative with our words. So changing the way we communicate requires going to the feet of Jesus and saying, Lord, I can't, but you can equip me to bring my tongue and the words I speak under the power of your spirit, under the power of your light and your love. And the more we immerse ourselves in truth, the more we are are studying the word of God and listening to the word of God and reading the word of God, the more we will have that grace-filled communication naturally flowing through our lives and our words. But here are a few key principles that have really helped me through the years that I want to share with you. And some of these we've covered in other podcasts, and some of them I've never covered before. But I feel like just it's such an important reminder in this day and age when we are trained by the culture to just let whatever comes into our head fly out of our mouth or fly onto a digital post. And the first principle is to speak God's reality. It is very common to sort of give into this sarcastic, negative pessimism that is all around us in the world today. And it's almost seen as funny where you kind of say, yeah, just watch, my car is going to break down before we get there. Or, yeah, I'm sure, you know, I'm going to fall flat on my face and make a fool of myself if I try to do such and such. And so it's kind of like this just proclaiming negativity. And it seems harmless, but what is God's reality? God doesn't speak to us that way. He doesn't speak those things about us. The same is true when we're going through a difficult time. It's really easy to just sort of declare negative things over our lives, things like, I'm so depressed, or I'm just reached the end of my rope, I can't keep going on. And you, you kind of make these extreme emotional statements that begin to define your reality. Yet God's reality is very different. We see all throughout scripture, the reality that he paints, the reality he, that he lives by and he calls us to live by is not negative. It's not sarcastic. It's not pessimistic. It doesn't prophesy doom and gloom, and it doesn't harp and dwell on the negative things. Things like the joy of the Lord is my strength. That is part of God's reality. Or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That again is God's reality. Or rejoice in the Lord always. That is God's reality. So what happens when we proclaim the negative messages of the culture over our lives? What I found in my own life is it it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If I start going around saying, I'm so depressed, or I've reached the end of my rope, or I just can't keep going on, that is exactly what happens with my day. I just keep going in a downward spiral, as opposed to going to the Word of God and saying, what does God say? I'm, these, this might be what my emotions are saying right now, that I'm depressed and I feel like I've reached the end of my rope, but what does God's reality say? He has joy and peace and strength and wisdom and perspective available to me if I will receive it. And that doesn't mean we don't, we're never honest with things that we're struggling with, but we don't just leave it in that state of declaring some negative emotion, we go to the word of God and say, okay, this is how I'm feeling, but what is the truth? And how can the truth set me free from this downward spiral that I'm on? I've told the story before on this podcast, but I, I once met a family who introduced their young daughter as like a tornado or a hurricane. I can't remember what it was. And that's exactly what she was. And people were constantly speaking that over her. So she became this wild, out of control little girl, probably because she thought, well, this is what everybody's labeled me and I need to rise up to that. And so if you are used to proclaiming negative or sarcastic things over different areas of your life, I would encourage you to begin replacing those things with specific promises from God's word. So if you think, I can't keep going, I can't do this, begin to say, 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or if you say, I'm feeling blue and down and lonely and depressed, begin to say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And as you begin to proclaim God's reality, that becomes more real to you than these negative emotions that you might be feeling. I remember when we first adopted our daughter Harper from Korea. She was six months old. She brought with her the Korean time zone. So she was on the opposite time zone that we were. So she was basically up all night and sleeping all day. And I got to the point where I felt like I could not handle the lack of sleep, the stress of that. A child that was totally on the opposite time zone had already had a toddler at home and I had finally just gotten him to sleep well at night. And now I had this baby who was on the opposite time zone. So every time I began to feel or want to say, hey, I can't do this. I can't keep going. I began to meditate on the the verse, the Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he with hold from those who walk uprightly. And that made such a tremendous difference. I began to feel the grace of God, the glory of God flow into my life, even through those sleepless nights. And as I prayed, as I surrendered, as I submitted to God's reality, eventually he began to work powerfully in Harper's life and and adjust her body clock. And it became just a beautiful testimony to his faithfulness. I remember different times in my life where I struggled with sleep. And I would say right before I would go to bed, I know I'm not going to be able to fall asleep tonight. I began to replace that with the promise that says, I will both lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. And as I began to dwell on that reality, that became my reality as opposed to, yeah, I'm not going to be able to sleep. I'm not going to be able to sleep. So when you speak according to God's reality, you begin to build your life upon God's reality. Another key principle is to speak words that edify. It is so normal in our culture to enter into dishonorable conversation, to be crude and frivolous and rude towards other people in how we communicate. In Ephesians 4.29, God gives us very specific instructions of what type of words and what type of attitude should be conveyed with the words that we speak. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And edification means to build someone up, especially to build someone up in their faith. It ties in very well with Paul's checklist in Philippians 4.8, the things that are true and noble and just and pure and lovely and of good report and virtuous and praiseworthy. Those are the things we are to meditate on. And as we meditate on those things, those are the things we will naturally begin to speak. Now, this doesn't mean that every conversation has to be specifically about Christ, but it should reflect his nature. Eric set such an amazing example for me before we were married. When we would spend time together, we would talk about lots of different things, but every conversation always seem to lead to the desire to know more of Christ, to study his word, to spend time in his presence. And it was such an inspiration to me because no matter what we were talking about, eventually it all came back to what truly matters, that North Star, Jesus Christ. And that became my goal in conversations as well. When we started Ellerslie, our discipleship training school, that became the guideline for honorable conversation as people were eating their meals and walking around campus, be speaking words that edify, that build others up, especially that build others up in their faith and draw people closer to Jesus Christ. You can also look for ways to edify others in social media and in the digital things that you post. So begin looking at the things you post and saying, is this really serving any other purpose than to just fill space? Or is it purposeful? Does it build someone up? Does it encourage them? Does it reflect the nature of Christ? Even if it's not specifically about Christ, does it reflect his nature? So edification is another key principle for grace-filled communication. 
Another key is to speak words that glorify God, that reflect the nature of God. If you look at the the seductive woman in Proverbs 7, she used enticing speech and flattering words to get this young man to fall into her trap. And it's very easy to fall into that same pattern when we use our words to flatter or manipulate others rather than to bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ. So whether that's through gossip, whether that's through flattery, insincere complimenting of other people to gain, you know, their favor, manipulating people. I mean, as as women, we know how to do this with our words. But if we start to follow the example of John the Baptist, rather than the woman in Proverbs 7, our attitude will be, I must decrease and Jesus must increase. So if you find yourself always trying to gain attention from others through your words, maybe practice the discipline of silence, of giving space for other people to be heard and building others up, as opposed to always having to be the center of tension and using your words to gain attention. Or if you're always talking about yourself, maybe practice showing interest in others and turning the conversation towards the things that are important to them. Or if you're always really shy and in the background and you don't have boldness, begin asking God to make you bold for Jesus and to speak words that glorify him. And he will give you the wisdom and the grace that you need in every situation that you're in. The bottom line is to let your words reflect Jesus Christ and point others to him. As Charles Spurgeon called it, be a man or a woman of one subject. All you really are focused on is Jesus Christ and making him known and glorifying his name. And it may seem to one note or one subject, and yet the entire Bible points us to Jesus Christ and he is our true North Star. So speak words that glorify and point the gaze to Jesus rather than draw attention to yourself, whether that's through extreme shyness where you're not willing to speak or extreme attention-getting attitudes where you're speaking words that manipulate others. Take that before God and ask him how you can be more glorifying to him with the words that you speak. Another key principle is to speak with purpose. It says in Matthew 12, 36, and I mentioned the scripture at the beginning of the podcast, that every idle word men may speak, men shall speak, they shall give account of it in the day of judgment. And Proverbs 23 tells us that idle chatter leads only to poverty. And there are a lot of other scriptures throughout the New Testament about avoiding idle chatter and vain babbling. Now, idle chatter basically means a discussion of vain and useless matters. And so often the things we talk about in our culture are very frivolous, vain and useless. Now, it's fine to talk about things that aren't specifically spiritual, but when we're just talking about ridiculous cultural gossip and idle banter that just has no purpose whatsoever, we can just end up spiritually impoverished because our focus is not on things that matter in light of eternity. During Paul's journeys in the book of Acts, when he was spreading the gospel, he came upon a group of Athenians who, it says in Acts 17.21, they spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. So at first, these people expressed an interest in hearing Paul's message, but only a few of them really embraced the truth of Christ because they were so distracted by this pattern of telling or hearing some new thing. And that reminds me so much of modern culture, especially on social media. And as it says in 2 Timothy 2.16, shun profane and idle babblings because they will increase to more ungodliness. So when we're looking at things like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Pinterest and blogs and texting, these things can often be breeding grounds for idle chatter, emotional rambling, trying to show off wit and personality, criticizing others, or even just exalting our own thoughts and opinions rather than God's. So if you choose to engage in those things digitally, my encouragement to you would be to take a step back and say, am I really edifying those who will read this? Am I building them up in faith? Am I pointing them to Jesus Christ? 
Christ? Am I encouraging them? Am I reflecting the nature of Christ through every single thing that I post, every single thing that I text? If your digital communication doesn't serve any kind of eternal purpose, it becomes a time waster and a distraction, not just in your own life, but in the lives of those that you're conversing with. And that's something that God has had to convict me with so many times in my life, just, okay, this might be okay, but does it serve any eternal purpose? And my desire is to build my life around things that serve an eternal purpose and matter in light of eternity. Meaningless chatter oftentimes draws attention to people, usually draws attention to people instead of to Jesus Christ. One of the best ways to figure out whether the words that you're speaking, posting, tweeting, blogging, or texting have eternal value is to ask some questions like these. Do these words point people to Jesus Christ? Do they serve a higher purpose other than just to fill space? Do they honor God? Or do they esteem the shallow things that are in the culture and in the world? If our words are hollow and meaningless and they really don't bring glory to God and they reflect the values of the world, then it's better not to speak them. It's better not to post them. So I would encourage you to prayerfully consider this area of your life and look for ways that you can replace idle chit chat or meaningless posts, meaningless words with things that have eternal value. And now it might seem at first a difficult swap to make. But if you begin to ask God for his enabling grace to make that exchange, he will give you the wisdom, the grace, the heavenly perspective, the words that you need to glorify him and to speak with purpose. So as we evaluate the words that we speak and post every day, we need to remember that this world is not our home. Every moment that we have here on this earth is a gift from heaven. It's a beautiful opportunity to live out the sacred calling that God has placed on our lives. So let's not waste the precious time that God has given us with idle words. Another key principle is to choose prayer and encouragement over criticism. Oswald Chambers said that God never gives us discernment towards another person so that we can criticize, but so that we can intercede. Lots of times we might see a weakness in someone else's life and the temptation is to go start talking about it to other people or posting about it. And yet there's something so powerful when we take that to Jesus and we say, Lord, I see this. It's a burden that I'm seeing in this person's life. I'm taking it to you and I'm asking you to intervene in this person's life and do a mighty work of grace in their soul. And to encourage them when you're tempted to criticize, encourage and speak words of love and life instead. Sometimes honesty is going to be needed, whether you need to sit down with someone and confront them with the things that they're doing that are wrong, or you need to go to somebody else that's an authority or in a position where they need to know about something. But always be sure that your honesty is spoken with honor. There's a way to be honest about other people's faults that is very demeaning and very harsh and very critical. And there's a way to do it with honor and love. And so as you are needing to address things and be honest about things, be sure that you're doing so in the nature of Christ, the attitude and the spirit of love with the desire to see this person restored to a right relationship with God and restored to a right relationship with others, not just an opportunity to bash someone else. We're called to speak the truth in love, not in frustration or anger or criticism or irritation. And God's enabling grace can equip us to do that. A few final thoughts that I'd like to share with you. Amy Carmichael wrote this in her book, Gold Cord. She was talking about a vital unity that she and her fellow workers cultivated in their ministry. And this is what she said. It often appears to us that there is nothing except our private walk with God, which is more detested and assaulted by the devil than this beautiful, happy thing, the loyalty that is the basic quality of vital unity. So we made one careful rule. The absent must be safe with us. Criticism, therefore, was taboo. What other way of life can satisfy the heart that is set on living in the ungrieved presence of its Lord? The very thought of him shames unkindness. 
I believe those words express probably the most important principle that can protect us against ungracious, dishonorable speech. It's taking our eyes off of ourselves, off our own offenses and hurts and personal gripes and emotions and pride and preferences and fixing our gaze upon Jesus and his worthiness and what he has done for us. When we remember how much he has sacrificed, how much he has given to us, how much he has suffered for us, criticizing and attacking each other seems utterly foolish and empty. Jesus longs for us to love each other with a pure heart fervently, as it says in 1 Peter 1.22. And that is how we demonstrate that we truly love him by loving one another. Gossip and criticism and harsh words and idle words and words that dishonor others have no place in view of the cross. If we don't stray away from the shadow of the cross, our words will naturally honor others and they will honor Jesus Christ. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into honorable communication, I encourage you to go to setapartgirl.com and look at the online courses that we have, especially the online mentoring program. We have a specific course on honorable speech where we go a lot deeper into these principles. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.